Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide. Seven keys to success. Key number six, problems. This is Jesus. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So Jesus is promising problems, pressure, persecution, tribulation. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But in the kingdom of God, we don't have problems. God has opportunities. Uh, John Maxwell said that every miracle starts with a problem. And so that's that's something that we should actually consider uh, learning how to kind of like reframe how we see the situation. My good friend, uh, Prophet Abner Suarez says, often it's not the circumstances that needs to change. It's often our perspective of the circumstances that first needs to change. And so since we have the mind of Christ, we can see the situations through the eyes of the Lord and he has opportunities we may feel like it's a problem and on the earth and in the realm of the earth it is a problem but in the kingdom of heaven there's no problems there's just god uh, opportunities where he can show up in time and space and manifest himself to obedient sons and daughters who are obeying and who are a part of the answer to his prayer on earth as it is in heaven and so that's um that's something uh this is carl gustav servin don't talk to others about your problem speak to the problem about your god i'll quote another uh good friend of mine uh, pastor tim concannon faith-based prayers speak from heaven to earth we speak the promise to the problem pastor tim concannon a personal friend of mine uh pastor in south jersey uh, around the morristown area really great man so he taught me that. Um, yeah, I think that um, it's really critical that we realize that there is a problem. Uh, I'll quote another friend of mine. I was just with him in Hasifi, Brazil. He's a missionary. His whole mission is rescuing prostitutes, street children, transvestites. And they're literally taking people off the street and doing an incredible work. Nick Pillman always says this, things will go wrong. <laughs> so it's like, what are you going to do? when things go wrong when things go wrong will you respond right i think that's what you have to um, ask yourself dk in your own life like have you noticed that if you're seeing something incorrectly that your response is incorrect have you ever have you noticed that have you taken notice that oh yeah for sure like for me it's like if i don't see something correctly i can't respond correctly Mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean I'll just use an illustration. Let's say you're, you're driving down the road and then you see a little kid, yep. an, an adult, and you see the adult push the little kid. You don't see the whole context. You're like, that's a bad person yep. hurting a little kid. But then you wait a second, you see there's a bus coming and the guy, yeah, you know, was rescuing the kid. Yeah. Your whole perspective changes. So Yes. Yeah. That's a really good metaphor yeah. and story. It's very parabolic. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's it's kind of like you're screaming at someone, get out of the way. They're like, don't yell at me. It's like, there's actually a train, a train coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that changes the context. Mm-hmm. So perception is um, 
is really important. And also, too, I don't know if I've said this on a podcast, but I was just teaching about this in Brazil to the ministry school students. There's three places that we live from, desire, perception, and experience. Mm. And we may not know it or be aware of it, but that is, that's the reality of where we live from. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So uh, the experiences, things that you've done or things that have been done to you, you live from that place. Uh, you may need to forgive or you may need to repent to get that uh, you know, straightened out. Or um, desires. It's very possible that your desires can uh, distort your discernment. The book of Proverbs says, to the thirsty soul, any bitter thing is sweet. So it's possible to have desire that is um, distorting the discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, and perception, like if, if, like for example, I say, okay, this is a water bottle. If you can't perceive that this is a water bottle and we can't agree that this is a water bottle and we don't have a shared language establishing the fact that there is water inside this plastic bottle, then we can't really move forward together without a basic perception and a shared language. Mm-hmm. So that's something to really think about when you're looking at a hard situation. Let's say you're a married couple. If you're not seeing it the same, mm-hmm. then you're probably not going to respond to it the same. Mm-hmm. And and I think that sometimes we're looking at a problem and we're like, where is God in this? And it's like, well, he actually is looking to invade this if you would believe him and move in faith, not in fear and say, where is God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but actually invite him into the situation. And so again, in the kingdom, we don't have problems. God has solutions. Yeah. And so I think that that's, and there's no exception. Every problem. Yeah. is true to that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's when I, when I first wrote this book, seven keys to success, you know, there's seven things that you need to see correctly to manifest your purpose and fulfill your destiny. One is God. The second is you. The third is relationships. The fourth is time. The fifth is money. The sixth is problems. If you fail to discern your problems correctly, then you, again, will not respond correctly. And and this is, I'll give you an example. If I'm looking at a situation in my life and I'm blaming someone else and it's my fault, then I won't change what has caused the problem. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm looking at a problem and I'm blaming the devil for something I did, yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, many times we blame God for things He didn't do, mm-hmm. and we blame the devil for things we did. Yeah, you know what though? <laughs> Even if it wasn't your fault, and you just keep blaming, it doesn't change anything. Yeah, because you know it, it sucks, but that's your responsibility to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't assume responsibility, let's say, let's say if I don't assume responsibility for a problem that actually is my problem and I created a problem, Mm -hmm. I'll probably never have victory over what I won't assume responsibility for. Yeah. And I I think that it's easy to be a victim. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to change. Yeah. It's easy to blame other people. It's more difficult to address in your life what helped that situation. And I think that, for example, like when you're looking at a situation, let's say in your life, you know, it's not the devil, you know, if I slip and fell, like you could blame the devil, but there's ice. <laughs> I didn't look. And so it's easy to blame the devil, but it's hard to say, no, I was actually careless. Mm. And I think that if you don't discern the root of a problem, you can't, you know, attack it correctly. And I think that we see this many times in the life of believers, in the life of church, like we're trying to counsel demons, you know, we medicate demons 
instead of casting out a demon and caring for a soul, yeah. many times we're, we're, we're counseling a demon or trying to medicate pain, which only getting more pain. Yeah. Not that I'm against an Advil, but I'm saying many times we just try to medicate something mm-hmm. instead of actually, we medicate symptoms instead of deal with roots. Yeah. And I find that when we're dealing with problems, that's really destructive. Yeah. You know? What's underneath that? That's yeah. the key question. Like the why. Yeah. Like even even let's say you're dealing with helping someone else with their their problems and you know and and that's actually what happens when you become mature in the kingdom. First, God deals with your issues, and and then you know like Jesus said, re- remove the log from your eye, and then help your brother with his spec. Mm-hmm. So the priority of God is to deal with my issues so mm-hmm. that I can be helpful to my brother. Yeah. And people who have this propensity just to look at others look at others look at others well the reality is we have a bigger issue than mm-hmm. the people we're looking at yeah and so god's priority is first to deal with us so that we can be helpful and useful to others and like i can't help someone with a problem that they're not willing to acknowledge as a problem mm-hmm. or we can't be helpful to people who don't see something that god sees as a problem as a problem yeah what do you think is it, it is about human nature we gravitate towards this blaming or denial? I think it's as old as the Garden of Eden. You know, Adam, uh, God tells Adam don't eat. He listens to, you know, his wife. He eats. They discover they're naked. Sin makes you self-conscious. They try to sow fig leaves. They become, you know, they try to hide. First is shame. Second is blame. Mm. You know, God says, like, what did you do? <laughs> God didn't say, what did you do? He said, where are you? Because yeah. God is more focused on the relationship being restored than the actual sin issue. Mm. And so what happened is God's like, Adam, where are you? And so God begins to then speak to, you know, the woman and then judges the serpent. But, you know, Adam's first thing is like, it's it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> and and even like uh, just before she's Eve, she she wasn't Eve yet. The woman is like, it's a serpent. And so you see sin, number one, shame, number two. They try to sow fig leaves. And Deborah uh, just told us that those fig leaves actually, there's a there's something in the fig leaves, it's very interesting, mm-hmm. that causes a rash. Oh. Uh, very fascinating. Mm. And so she was mentioning that when we try to cover it up, we just make it worse. <laughs> and um, I'm paraphrasing her, but she dropped that nugget good, on yeah. us uh, after the prophetic school. I, I went, I was teaching at the prophetic school and learning as well uh, <laughs> from Deborah, which is which is a good nugget. You know, so it's like sin, shame, blame. Yeah. And there's nothing that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think this goes back to your first key is having a correct view of God. If you, yeah. have the, if you have the correct view of God, you won't have to feel shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, the serpent came. What did he do? And and he he's like basically saying like, oh, what God said isn't true. What God said won't happen. And God is uh, withholding from you. So it was really the integrity of God that was questioned, mm-hmm. the motives of God that was questioned, mm-hmm. the validity of what God said, mm-hmm. and the consequences of what God said would happen. Yeah. So the enemy came in and he deceived the woman. And then, you know, Adam listens to someone he's called the lead. Mm-hmm. And that never goes well. Yeah. And people, I don't know sometimes if people hear me correctly. I'm not saying like, oh, you shouldn't listen to your wife. But you you should lead people you're called to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, um, a, there's an order. There is an order. Yeah. And, and anyway, it's really bad mm-hmm. things happen when we listen to people we're supposed to be leading. Mm-hmm. 
So what's like the magic bullet for someone who wants to start looking at his problems correctly? Like what's that little shift or adjustment? So with that, I'm not into magic or black magic or white magic. <laughs> but I would say the silver bullet mm-hmm. is ask the Holy Spirit to show you his truth about the situation. Mm. I think sometimes it's the simplest, most basic thing of acknowledging God as a person. Mm. It's like, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. Your promise is to lead me into all truth. So Holy Spirit, show me the truth about myself Mm -hmm. and the situation that I find myself in. Show me how and show me why Mm. and show me what and show me how to move. It's this, I know this sounds so basic. It's the simplest thing of just acknowledging God yeah. so he can direct you. That's good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, it's very simple. Yeah. But in pride, we assume that we know. Yeah, yeah. So humility takes that step and, and, and it takes that step and, make, and stops and goes, okay, lead me. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm guilty of this too, but when there's a problem, it, this what you're saying requires pausing and sitting in the problem for a second at least yes but the problem is so uncomfortable you, you want to find a solution quickly and you react yes yeah i think i wrote a chapter about this in another book i wrote called uh remember no i forgot the name of the book i wrote rediscovering the prophetic mm-hmm. so i wrote this chapter called the lost art of lament and i think that we haven't learned to lament and I think that when I'm looking at a problem, I think sometimes, man, I hate to say this, I think sometimes I need to feel it. Yeah. Like sometimes I need to feel the gravity of a problem so that I can really experience the grace of God in yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And the grace of God to get out of that or mm-hmm. to go through it, to learn a lesson from it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. think sometimes we're just too quick. Like Nehemiah, he knows there's a problem. Mm-hmm. He has favor. Yeah. He had emotional stability. He had trust with the king. The king's like, Nehemiah, like, you've never been sad. What's wrong? He's like, well, the gates, the city, people. And so basically the king's like, well, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nehemiah had favor. Nehemiah could have just said it right away. Mm-hmm. But first he prayed. Yeah. So, man, we're talking about, like, the smallest, most basic, all right, I'm going to pause. I'm going to stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not assume I know everything. I'm going to acknowledge the one who does know everything. Yeah. And I'm just going to ask him to lead. Like, you're just talking about a short prayer of like, God, like, I'm in a problem. Um, I might have created it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, can you please help me? And yeah. and I think that we see that a lot in the Psalms. Like, David is crying out to God. People are just crying out to God. I mean, 59 of the Psalms are lament. And lament, laments are the open acknowledgement of there's a problem. That's right. Yeah. And there's only one solution. Yeah, it's Jesus. And mm. think of this. There's 150 psalms. There's 59 laments. The best place you can take your pain and your problems is to the presence of God with an open heart, an open Bible, and an open journal. Yeah. And ask the Lord to show you his truth about the situation, about the circumstances, and ask the Lord the simple question, mm. what is my next move, Lord? Don't focus on the next 20 things you need to do. Mm. Jesus, what do I need to do right now mm-hmm. based upon where I find myself? 
And he's a good father. He will lead you. He will show you. And uh, he will make it clear. And it's really important to know that, like, God is with us in it. He may have not been the cause of it. Yeah. But he'll be with you in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like God said, well, I'll never leave you nor forsake you unless you cause a problem for yourself. Yeah. No, even if I did cause a problem for myself or even if someone else's choices caused me a problem, the promise of God is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And what I love about that, if you look at it in Greek, it has like three nevers, basically. It's like never, ever, ever. Uh, in New Jersey language, God is saying, I'll never, ever, ever leave you. Like, <laughs> I am, I may not have brought you into this situation, but I can bring you out of it. Yeah. And to me, that that's really, like, good news. It's not like, okay, I'll be with you if you do everything I say. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're going to probably do some dumb stuff, and I'm going to be with you in that, and I'm going to form you and fashion you and build you as I rescue you and as I heal you and as I mature you. Yeah. And to me, that's like, that's good news. Yeah. Sounds like you need humility, patience, and trust. Yeah. But you got to you gotta build that up with the small things. Yeah. So when the big thing comes, yeah. that's already in you. Also, too, like one of the things that I don't think people realize about grace is that when we're humble, we're attractive to God. So me acknowledging that I need the help of God gives me access to the grace of God. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. So humility is really powerful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because all it is is saying, God, I need you. Mm -hmm. Also it's saying, God, I need people. Yeah. Um, that's humbling. Mm -hmm. especially in a culture that it's, it prides itself on being selfish, self-made, self-sustained, mm-hmm. independent. Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't need anybody. It's like, well, if you're going to do anything for anyone that's significant, you actually yeah. do need people. Yeah. Like even if you're Michael Jordan and they're going to give you the game-winning shot, mm-hmm. someone has to pass you yeah. the ball. Yeah. You know, also like, the biggest lie where money could buy yourself out of every problem. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, some of the people with the most money have the most problems. Mm-hmm. So money takes on the nature of who has it and if it has you then yeah that's Counter, really not counterfeit good. yeah yeah that's yeah, that's rough there's there's a biblical story that i think is really a fascinating story and i this is an observation so i'm not saying that this is actually what the text is meaning mm-hmm. but the text it, there's a story of a, of a zacchaeus mm-hmm. remember zacchaeus yeah guy, guy in the tree yeah, yeah. little short guy mm-hmm. And Zacchaeus is a short guy. So Jesus, this is like, this is a really practical story, but there's something in this. To me, it's beautiful. And I've seen this in my life. Like Zacchaeus is short. So that's a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's got, he's like has a permanent problem. I'm short. Like, um, and so, you know, he wants to see Jesus and he literally can't see over the crowd because he's actually short. Mm -hmm. It's a literal problem. Yeah. Right. So what does he do? He climbs up in a tree. Now, his problem brings him into the line of sight of Jesus. Okay. Mm. Let me let me give you an example. Yeah. If he was like six inches taller, he would have been unseen. Mm-hmm. He would have saw Jesus, but Jesus wouldn't have saw him. Yeah. 
Now, Jesus is God, so Jesus can see whoever he wants. But my point is on the human side of this story, his problem is the very thing that got him in position. Yeah, he stuck out. He stuck out. Yeah. But that was because of a problem. Mm -hmm. So he wants to see Jesus. He's got a problem. can't see Jesus. Mm -hmm. And his problem leads him to deal with his problems. (laughs) (laughs) crazy god is so good and i'm yeah. crazy and so then jesus invites himself to the guy's house jesus is like this is a rich guy I'm, I'm coming over for lunch and uh so this guy feeds jesus and the crew and then he says out of nowhere i will return fourfold what i have extorted from people listen yeah. you think the rich young ruler was rich this guy was richer and more corrupt than the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Anyone who can return fourfold what they've stolen mm-hmm. are seriously rich. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Imagine every time you bought one of something, you just bought four of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll get, you know, I'll give away three. I'll keep one. <laughs> it's like, I'll take four watches. I'll take four cars, you know. But that was a life-changing counter. Yeah. And and when there's a when there's repentance, there's a, di- there's a desire for yeah. restitution. Yeah. Um. And so he did some reparations over there. Uh, but, it, you know, he was paying for what he did. Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't even mention that. Mm. Yeah, he was just moved by his presence. So think think of it this. His problem brought him in the line of sight of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the solution. But he sees Jesus and realizes he's got some problems. Mm. <laughs> and he has to deal with some things. Wow. And immediately he becomes willing to deal with that. But everything happens as a result of a guy who has a problem. He could have just pouted and said, I'm too short and walked away from that crowd. He could have. And that's it. And that's it. We will never hear about this. We would have never heard about it. Yeah. But he became significant because he's he was a seeker. Mm-hmm. And he said yes. Mm-hmm. And so now you have like, I mean, think of the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. He said, no, we don't know his name. Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus said yes to the, to what God was putting in his heart, and we know his name. Mm-hmm. You know, think of think of Simon. Through Simon saying yes, he becomes Peter. He's so famous that history knows him on a first name basis, Peter. Think about that. Yeah. Um, so our significance is in our surrender. It's in our yes, mm-hmm. and you can even say yes to the Lord in your problems. And you can acknowledge, God, like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. I need your help. And humility solicits the help and the grace of God. Yeah, Man, I, I found myself in in many, you know, difficult situations where I'm like, God, like, I don't even know the situation. I don't even know why I'm dealing with this. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do. Just show me. And he's a good God. He will. Yeah. Like, he will show you if you ask him. Sometimes when your only option is a step of faith, that's a good place to be. Yeah. And I think that too, like, here's another thing that I think sometimes we don't, we, this is one of, I was talking to ministry school students recently and I was talking about like disappointment. And I was using the story of Joseph. Let's, let's think of this for a second. Joseph says he's not going to sleep with his boss's wife. He does the right thing, and he winds up in a problem. Yep. <laughs> he winds up with a problem. Mm-hmm. So so it's like there is there is actually a time in which doing the right thing will get you the wrong results. Mm-hmm. 
His boss wasn't like, oh, man, my wife's terrible. I'm going to divorce her. Uh, he was like, oh, she's she's right. And, and he gets thrown. He gets falsely accused, mm-hmm. publicly shamed, and thrown in prison. Yeah, just straight up injustice. And he was totally innocent. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you do the right thing and you get the wrong result. So sometimes problems, and not all the time, mm-hmm. but every once in a while, man, you got a problem on your hands because you did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so sometimes you tell the truth and you you get dinged for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Jesus died the death of a criminal who's completely innocent. Paul is trying to get people free eternally, and he winds up in prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I mean, this is just the reality, man. Sometimes you do the right thing, it just costs you something. Yeah. One of the things that really speaks to me about Paul that I think is really interesting, especially people who are in problems, dealing with problems. Uh, or starting to have the courage to deal with their own internal problems. Paul had a lot of stuff, a lot of different, you know, challenges, difficulties, you know, persecution, shipwreck, betrayals, all, I mean, just different stuff. Man, nobody wrote more about hope than Paul, (laughs) and nobody spent more time in prison than Paul. Mm -hmm. And he says something in Ephesians 3, 1, that is just like, it marked me forever when I saw it. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Paul was in a Roman prison, but he said, I'm not defined by my circumstances. Mm. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. He was in a Roman prison. Yeah. But he was not a prisoner of Rome. That's powerful. That's a free man. That's a free man. Yeah. Because even in jail, he's free. Mm -hmm. And um, that is something that we have to allow our problems to refine us, not define us. Mm, yeah. You know, allow the pressure to do something. Think of this with Paul. Paul's uh, place of limitation was really his place of revelation. His best three, this is my opinion, mm-hmm. so it's only an opinion. In my opinion, his best three letters were written in prison. Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians. Short, concise an insane amount of theology. So rich, yeah. Not that the other ones aren't great, mm-hmm. but I mean, when you when you just he wrote those in prison. Mm-hmm. Imagine writing a best-selling book in prison. <laughs> it's like you can use your pain and your problems. Yeah. It, God can do do something redemptive. I'll give you another example. Nathan, uh, Nathan comes to confront David about his sin. Mm-hmm. Uses a parable, bypasses you know David's intellect and goes <laughs> right to his heart. By depersonalizing a problem through a parable. Mm-hmm. Really wise strategy. That's his language. Yeah. yeah. And so David is like, well, you know, Nathan's like, well, there's a guy and, you know, he has a lot of sheep and he took this one poor guy's little sheep. David's like, that man should die. Nathan's like, you're that man. <laughs> David's like, ah! <laughs> you know, it's so different when it's you, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, Nathan confronts David. Mm-hmm. David repents and writes Psalm 51. Yeah. Wow. It's like he wrote a best-selling, uh, <laughs> he, he made a best-selling hit mm-hmm. through a disaster of a situation. Yeah. And now many people, like anyone who's a Christian for a long time and ever like really needed to repent, like I don't know, like you really blew up on someone or you just, you're like, you just went kind of AWOL. Mm-hmm. We have all found ourselves in Psalm 51 saying, create a clean heart, you know, in me, mm-hmm. renew a right spirit within me, blah, blah, blah. That's David writing a song after a huge mess that he made. Yeah. So even your problems, your pain, your sin, like if you come to the Lord and repent, 
he can do something great from something bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying go, you know, freak out and write a hit song, you, you know, but that's that's interesting how he made a terrible choice. He responded correctly and then he wrote a song. Yeah. And and God didn't go, "Well, we're going to keep that out." Mhm. No. Yeah. It's in the book. Yeah. It's in the Bible. Yeah. You know, God doesn't sanitize history. Yeah. He lets it he lets it be there. Yeah. God takes the biggest blunders of his best friends and lets people see it so that we can learn from it. Mm. I recently um, learned this formula. um, An event plus a response equals an outcome. Yep. It's the response. That's what we could always have a will power over. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't be controlled by what I can't control. Yeah. I can't control how people, you know, treat me. I can't control what happens to me, but I can't control how I respond. Yeah. And through the Holy Spirit giving us self-control, I mean, you you start to administer self-control, you you have a, a, a much higher chance of reducing your problems. Yeah. Most of my problems in life, you know, have spawned from me not having self-control. Mm, yeah. So. Before you wrap up, can you just touch upon this one thing you shared earlier uh, in the prophetic class? Because um, we're talking about suffering and, and problems, yep. <clears throat> but um, just the whole idea of like not putting God on 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 trial on trial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the fear of the Lord says that God is righteous, God is holy, and God is the judge in Christ. And so I am not going to put the judge on trial. Like I wouldn't walk into a court, you know, in New York City with some ghetto attitude, talking to the judge like he's one of my homeboys. I would address him, Your Honor. I would make eye contact and I would watch my tone. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fear of the Lord tells us, hey, have a little respect for God. Yeah. Have reverence. Don't don't come like, you know, don't come at God like that. And, yeah. and I think that a generation that has lost the fear of the Lord, we think that God owes us something. David spent a lot of time in God's presence and David came to the conclusion, what is man that you're mindful of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really a poor in spirit attitude. Yeah. And this and, is all in the context of if you have a problem, you're not always going to get the answer or yeah. explanation that you, that you yeah. want. Yeah. But God, if we believe that God is our problem, we won't bring our problems to him. Mm-hmm. We'll run to the world. Yeah. Um, and he's the solution and he will give you solutions. But I think it's really important, like how we frame the issue. Like, look, look at Paul. I'm going to give you something he wrote in Second Corinthians 4.17. Paul's talking about like his apostolic accreditations and he wasn't like, Oh, I got this many followers. I wrote that many books. <laughs> I preach in this many countries. He talks about all like you guys, like I got stoned, I got beat, I got shipwrecked. I could be trained by countrymen, brother and false brother. You know, he <laughs> goes through like this list of woe. And you know, this guy's really been through hell basically. I mean, he's really been through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they stone the guy and leave him outside the city left for dead. And he gets up, walks back in the city. I mean, he's just like, beyond resilient and he was a roman on top of that right yeah so he was in prison unlawfully he experienced injustice yeah um so anyway he says this for our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory first of all to be able to say that this is a light affliction considering everything he went through nowadays people have a headache they feel like they're being persecuted (laughs) you know what i mean like the dude went through everything and he says oh this is our light affliction 
but he didn't stop saying it's a light affliction. He actually says, no, it's actually working an eternal weight of glory in mm. us. So when you're going through persecution, yeah. when you're going through a difficulty, God is working something eternal in you. Yeah. And look at the language here. He goes, light affliction versus an eternal weight of glory. Yeah. So, so you could be going through something, and in the midst of that, many times, God will allow pressure on you mm -hmm. to do something in you. Mm. So don't despise the inward workings of God, because, you know, we're more concerned with the outside. God is saying, I'm concerned with the inside. Yeah, yeah. My problem is the way you see your problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and God wants to renew our mind, restore our heart and soul, and really help us to move forward in faith uh, with wisdom. Thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK, Kim, and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.